0: Thank you, Randy. Good morning. Nice to see you all. Happy, cheerful, smiles. Lovely. If you have your Bibles with you, uh, we're turning to Acts chapter 8 and verses 26 to 40. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Kaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important important official in charge of all the treasury of Kandak which means Queen of Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariots and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture, the eunuch was reading he was led like a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before its shearer is silent so he did not open his mouth in his humiliation he was deprived of justice who can speak of his descendants for his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about? Himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture that told him the good news about Jesus. As you travelled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said look here is water what can stand in the way of being baptised and he gave orders to stop the chariot then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptised him when they came up out of the water the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away and the eunuch did not see him again but went on his way rejoicing. (coughs) Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and travelled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesar. May God bless his word. Thank
1: you, Jonathan. Let's just pray for Lorraine before she comes to speak to us. Lord, we thank you for Lorraine and we thank you for all that she does to serve our church and our community. And we pray for her as she comes to speak to us now. Please open our ears, open our hearts. Help us to hear your voice and hear the message that you have for each one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Hello again. So, Philip's ministry was predominantly to the outcasts in society, Little earlier on in the chapter, we learned of this ministry. He'd been to Samaria and proclaimed the good news and performed signs of healing and exorcism in the name of Jesus. He'd been bold enough to approach and speak to Samaritans who were considered religious outcasts. We now find him approaching someone who was considered by many as a social outcast or more accurately, a sexual outcast, a eunuch, a black eunuch. Take a moment to consider that Ethiopian person, like not compare us to him, to us living in the Western world today, but him there in that moment, an outcast. Well, at the very least, an individual had only one place in society, sure, an important one, overseeing the Queen of Ethiopia's treasury, but that was it. There he sat alone in his chariot in the desert, showing interest in the scriptures by studying the book of Isaiah. We might assume he was God-fearing, since he was returning to Ethiopia after visiting Jerusalem to worship. But, as he wasn't allowed into the temple to hear the scriptures and the explanation, had no idea what they meant. For in Deuteronomy 23.1, it states, no one who is emasculated or has his male organ cut off shall enter the assembly of the Lord. His motivation to find out for himself by getting hold of a scripture is notable. Scriptures weren't cheap, and he would have had to pay a lot of money to get hold of one to study. Dare, we might imagine, that he felt that all he had to do was read the words and it would all become apparent to him. The account tells us he didn't understand what he was reading, but still he read. Here was a person ripe for evangelising. From my experience of striving to follow Jesus and his teachings towards living a Christ-led life, studying the word with no assistance or explanation usually leaves me feeling there's a, a deeper, more meaningful insight into our Lord, into who he is and what he stands for, that's just beyond my comprehension. Listening to sermons and the many online meditations, 365, for instance, along with Every Day with Jesus, takes me a long way towards understanding and working out ways to apply them to my life. However, I wonder how many of us have been struggling to make sense of our Jesus walk and what that looks like to be presented by something quite unexpected that shines a light on the word. Philip was that unexpected and somewhat surprising intervention that shone a light for the Ethiopian. An angel of the Lord sent him at the right moment in the right place. And I believe that people are still being sent today any one of you here has either been on the receiving end of such a visitor, or in be, indeed has been the visitor. Philip ran to him as if, the message, as if the message from the angel carried urgency, importance, and not something to dally over or think about. He didn't give himself time to question the right or wrong standing of this black eunuch to receive the good news, this layer of the account is the undeniable message that our Lord is for everyone, not just the Jews. This family membership is not exclusive. To put it simply, we're all God's children. I like to think that when the eunuch spoke in verse 34, The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Was his interest piqued into thinking, someone like me? Could he dare to draw comparisons to himself and the subject when he read in verse 33, in his humiliation he was deprived of justice? Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. He would have no descendants. His life, in this case, his lineage, had also been taken from him. We might pity this male or consider him to be arrogant in comparing himself to the Lord. However, now that he owned the book of Isaiah, And Philip was telling him the good news of Jesus and the message that was for everyone, whether Philip had managed to get through that whole book or at a later date, the eunuch found in Isaiah chapter 56, verses 4 and 5, For thus says the Lord, to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths and choose what pleases me and hold fast my covenant, to them... I I will give in my house and within my walls a memorial and a name better than that of sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will not be cut off. And by the way, I believe that is a direct reference and not an unfortunate choice of wording. If he had previously felt unworthy, that scripture must have leapt off the page at him. It now makes such beautiful sense when he asked Philip, what can stand in the way of my being baptised? In the wonderful tapestry of God's plan, they came across some water. This was a desert road, remember, with limited watering holes. How well our Lord provides for us. How faithful he is to us. How thankful that makes me feel. It was also a perfect chance for the eunuch and Philip to to obey the instruction to believe and be baptised. The black eunuch had finally found his family, his validation, his meaning and his purpose. This was highlighted by him going on his way rejoicing. He was complete. This symbolic washing acknowledged his sins were washed away through loving Jesus. We don't read anything more about this character. He presumably returned to Ethiopia to carry on his duties as the official in charge of the treasury. Though I believe we can view him as one of the first non-Jew or Gentile converts in Ethiopia. In 2019, in the Smithsonian Magazine, there was an article, and the first paragraph read, In the dusty highlands of northern Ethiopia, a team of archaeologists recently uncovered the oldest known Christian church in sub-Saharan Africa, a find that sheds new light on one of the old world's most enigmatic kingdoms and it's surprisingly early conversion to Christianity. So they dated that around 330 AD. So some time after today's account that was dated around 70 AD, it was either 50 or 70 or 90, so about there, it was still before 330. It would have been just too neat, I guess, To imagine this eunuch was a pivotal Christian in that country. Just like us, perhaps, when we receive the good news, only God knows the impact it will have on us, and then what we'll do with it. At the very least, we should pray to be a shining beacon in our daily life and an authentic ambassador for Jesus. So back to the newly-baptised eunuch and Philip. I'm not suggesting that Philip had a clipboard with a tick list or anything, but he surely must have been more than just satisfied with the request for baptism and the obvious submission to Jesus as his saviour. Philip witnessed the actual moment when Jesus became real and identifiable to this guy. What a moment! No slow boil, but instant. Tremendous. At times, usually crucial times, I'm not at all good at explaining something as I understand it. Unless, of course, you've got half an hour to spend listening to me saying something that ordinarily should take under ten minutes. Am I right, Becky? Yes. Thank you. However, when I get feedback or evidence that I've been understood, I throw a little party in my head to celebrate. One Friday evening at club, two boys were clearly in conflict with each other. At school that day, they'd had a falling out that had resulted in one saying sorry and the other refusing to accept it. I spoke to both of them together, explaining that it's very difficult to forgive sometimes. But it was something that Jesus does for all of us all the time. So it is good to try very, very hard to forgive someone who says sorry. This was not received well by either of them. With the guy who said sorry indignantly informing me that it wasn't easy for him to actually say sorry in the first place. That was my chance to remind the victim that since the perpetrator had stepped down and done the right thing, the least he could do was reciprocate by forgiving. After an initial reluctance, he did. They made their peace and went on to have a lovely harmonious evening. I'm not silly. At the time, I did wonder if they just complied in order to get back to the football game. However, later that session, during the prayer time, the lad who'd finally forgiven the other asked me to pray this. I thank God that he loves everyone in the world and and that everyone will know that and love him back and everyone will say sorry to each other and everyone will forgive each other. By Jove, I think he really did get it. I'm just musing that Philip might have had a similar, satisfying thought. So when we think about who's allowed access to God, do we have a list of, of exclusions? Do we take it upon ourselves to grade each soul as to their suitability? The uncomfortable answer to that is probably, mm, in some circumstances. Or am I judging you by my own bad attitude? I'm sure I am. Who might we we see as cut off? Does this scripture speak to us today? Can we be bold and secure enough in the truth of the scriptures, not just for ourselves, but to eagerly share it with others? The truth of Jesus is simply that, true. During my street angels duty in Guildford on Saturday nights it's fairly well known in the town that street angels are mainly Christians and I believe the people we meet feel that since we're out among them we're open to be asked questions that wouldn't or couldn't ordinarily be asked. It's the um, who can become a Christian question that is common as if they feel it's highly conditional as to who is considered a viable candidate. This really makes me sad, because it could well be a reflection of as, as how we as Christians not only portray ourselves, but how we address the as-yet unsaved. We pray before we go out for safety, etc. them that we'll be led to those in need of assistance or comfort. We also pray for the right words at the right time invariably the other question so what do you think of the church's stance on gays and lesbians can they become a Christian then? comes up and I must confess to feeling on very rocky ground when they ask this you see I've yet to hear a solid or fair reply to the question I can only reply that I know Jesus loves a wretch like me I know his love surmounts all manner of sin to the repentant and he has endless mercy. I know his love extends to extends to the upright and righteous right across to the marginalized. The black eunuch among others was the marginalized of his time. Just how do we respond to the marginalized today? In other words Do we know how to even recognise them? We are told in Matthew 19.12, for there are eunuchs that were born that way and there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by others and there are those who choose to live like eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. The one who can accept this should accept it. Sadly, it doesn't give any guidance here for those who don't or can't accept it. What I also know is that we are not called to judge and that all are welcome in God's kingdom through faith in Jesus Christ. The three reasons in this scripture that describe the eunuch are born that way made that way by others, and personal choice. Today's Western society has plenty of candidates that could easily fit into one of those three categories that appear to make them marginalised or outcasts. Please don't misunderstand my angle on this, for, of course, the LGBT plus community is an obvious area of marginalised folk the lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and more besides, are not all one type of person. They are individuals working out their own walk, finding family, purpose and validation. God's love is for them too. There are also single parents, poorly educated folk, people with disabilities, The homeless, sometimes referred to as beggars. Another Friday night comment. One youth on Friday night rightly pointed out that some of the homeless that beg aren't actually homeless. So we should think twice about giving them any money. Well, what about the real homeless? They feel invisible because society in general ignore them. There are plenty of people out there who are invisible to me, people that I don't identify with. I'm filled with an overwhelming urge to not only break down my own barriers that prevent me from engaging with the outcasts, but I encourage you to do the same. We read that Philip was moved to evangelise others. The Bible specifically called him an evangelist. The forward team, if you like. He was led to follow the example of his master, Lord Jesus. He obviously trusted the angel's instruction and he obeyed with confidence and boldness in Jesus' words. We know that the name of Jesus always causes a stir, negative and positive. The true gospel evangelism is never hidden or silent. From today's passage, we learn that mass campaign evangelism, it isn't the only way. It is valid, of course, but we're here we're given another just as important way to minister the word of God to the as yet unsaved soul. Philip was directed to where the eunuch was he went to him with no bias it says in luke 14:23 and the lord said unto the servant go out into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled With the role of evangelists, it stands to reason there must be a follow-up team if we're going to see the new convert become a disciple of Jesus. This is where the Ministry of Gifts can step up to the task in the form of pastoring, teaching, mentoring, sharing hospitality, helping, becoming a prayer buddy, and so many more all the while keeping Jesus in the centre of it all, for he will be present in the highways and the hedges to the masses and to the marginalised. Prayerfully seek out to be inspired to what contribution God wants from you and bear in mind it's not pivotal to your salvation but rather a fantastic opportunity to glorify him. Whether you feel you're in the forward team or the follow-up team, practice and prepare to share the good news without running a mental checklist of suitability beforehand. Philip ran to the lone bloke in the chariot because he was instructed to. We can listen and know who we can run to in order to share the good news and explain the truth of Jesus unfettered, undiluted, positively optimistic and totally relevant to the person in front of us. Because after all, that's how it was for us when we were first introduced to our King. Amen.